and welcome to the Horizon Church podcast. Horizon Church is a Christ-centered, word-based and spirit-led church. We are so happy to bring this week's message to you. And on behalf of our pastors, Brad and Ali Bonhomme and the Horizon Church team, we pray it's a blessing to you. Let's open the Bible together if you have one or if you have it on uh, your tablet or you just want to join Bible karaoke. We're putting it on the screen as well for you. Ezekiel chapter 37. We have a God who restores. We have a God who renews. We have a God who revives. Somebody say amen to that. That, That's that's the God we have. And, And I'd like to take you to a wonderful, wonderful picture of restoration, possibly the most phenomenal story narrative of restoration in the whole of Scripture, brought to us from the pen and the experience of a prophet by the name of Ezekiel. This this passage was actually brought alive to me in a very, very real way when Lynn and I became the pastors of a church in Fortitude Valley, Brisbane, over 20 years ago. It was once a grand church pioneered by William Booth's grandson. William Booth pioneered the Salvation Army. His grandson pioneered our church, and it exploded with life. But by the time we arrived 70 years later, the community, which was once the hub of commercial activity and so much life, was now literally the hub of red light activity, filled with alcohol, addictions and problems and pain everywhere. And our church had literally began to reflect the community rather than the other way around. And so I arrived and God put this passage on my heart. And I want to read it to you because as we do read, it's got two layers to it. It's first a a literal expression of what God wanted to do for his nation of Israel and bring them back to their homeland. They'd been in captivity. He wanted to bring them back. But there is also for you and I, through Jesus, there is an interpretation of what God is wanting to do for you and I and for his church today. So let's create the scene. Verse 1. The hand of the Lord was upon me and he brought me out by the spirit of the Lord and he set me in the middle of the valley. Notice this valley. Interesting, isn't it amazing? God actually put us in Fortitude Valley. So this was really very powerful for me. And it was full of bones. Now there is a lot of debate amongst Bible scholars whether this is an actual place or just a vision that Ezekiel had. But regardless of that, there is something very powerful in in this this whole picture. God wanted Ezekiel to see something incredibly graphic, a valley full of bones. Verse 2, he led me back and forth among them, and I saw a great many bones on the floor of the valley, bones that were very, say very, very dry. When you, I don't know about you, but forever, when I'm reading through Scripture, I'm asking questions. Always. One of the big questions is, where am I in this passage, especially in Jesus' parables? But I, I ask more of the scene as well, and, and I ask, what, what were these bones? For an entire valley to be full of bones, I would like to suggest it was probably an army. An army that had lost a battle. Once full of potential and life, but now lifeless. And as I said, when, when we went to the valley... Over 20 years ago, I remember I walked in. I just left Youth Alive. I dropped that in to let you know I was once young. (laughs) 
We'd had those magnificent era, and I, I can tell you, Tim and the team, I know that Youth Alive's about to go into phenomenal days. Youth Alive turns 40 in Easter. So look out. 40 is actually a big number in Bible times. And let me tell you something, God's going to do something. So we just left Youth Alive, and we went to this, to this broken-down church. In fact, my friend Jason Stevens, where are you? He's in the building somewhere, I was told. He's up the back. Jason, Jason used to travel with me. When we'd do Youth Alive, he'd come and he'd, he'd share his story as a footballer and then I'd get up and preach the gospel and all that sort of stuff. And I remember we went, before I became the pastor, we went to that church to do a, a guest, what they called a celebration. It did not feel like a celebration. It felt like a funeral. And I was there to speak. I was still leading Youth Alive. And I remember about halfway through the service, just before I was about to preach, my 12-year-old son tugged on the back of my jacket and he said, Dad, can I have five bucks? I said, Why? He said, Jason said he'll take us to Maccas. I gave him 10. I said, yeah. I said, take your brother. He said, thanks, because this is a very bad church. <laughs> True. That's the church we took over six months later. And I remember walking through the doors of this once great ministry, church that had, like, was just in a lot of pain. And I walked in, sat at my desk. I thought, whoa. What do I do now? You know what the Lord said to me? Go for a walk. So I went for a walk around the valley. And it so moved me. It still does. Wherever I looked, I saw girls walking through the street, blank, about to sell their body for another hit of drugs. There were men sleeping under bus seats. There was, it was just full of pain. And I went back and I thought, oh my God, help us. And I opened my Bible and the second thing I did, in fact, almost the rest of the day on my first day as the pastor of this church, I read the book of Nehemiah, which was a magnificent picture of restoration. It's also a picture of what the Holy Spirit can do in any broken situation. And, and, I, and I read it and by the time I'd finished it, I turned back to the title page and I still have this as one of my study Bibles at home and I wrote across the top. The effectiveness of our ministry here will not just be measured by the state of the people and the numbers of the people on Sunday, but by the state of the community we're called to reach. You see, the church is meant to be an agent of social change. We're salt and light, amen? And I love this, but this is not the end of the game. We're called to minister into the valley of dry bones. So God asks Ezekiel, verse three, son of man, can these bones live? Yeah, huh. Have you ever noticed that God asks some pretty tough questions? But here's what I've also noticed about God. He never asks you a question without already knowing the answer. He, by the way, just those of you that are struggling with obedience, he'll never ask you to do something that he won't give you the grace to fulfill. That's our God. And, and he said, well, sovereign Lord, only you know. God, only you know. Now, if this was a movie, the music would just begin to play ever so quietly because here comes the restoration. Verse four, then he said to me, prophesy. Say that word with me, prophesy. That's a big word. Prophesy to these bones and say to them, say it out loud with me, dry bones, hear the word of the Lord. What was the command? Prophesy. 
prophesy. You declare the Word of the Lord. You, you speak it. You see, a lot of people think prophecy just gives Christians an excuse to be weird. I'm a prophet. No, you're just weird. Relax. Let me tell you what real prophecy is. If Pastor Brad said to me, I want you to go to Allison and I want you to tell her that she's the most magnificent human being that ever walked on this planet. I'd say, okay. And I would go to Allison. i say, Al, this is what Brad says. You're the most magnificent human being that ever walked on the planet. They're not my words. They're his. But I'm speaking them with his authority. When God calls, let me tell you, you know what he's wanting? He's wanting the church to be prophetic. Prophetic. How do we do that? We get the Word of God into us so it can come out of us. But let me tell you, before it can come out of us, it's got to get into us. There you go. It's cool. See, too often, hear me. Too often, we allow things to speak to us. But you know what God is calling the church to do? Start speaking to it. Start speaking to it. When, when things speak to us, we feel helpless. We feel afraid. Some of us have got some pretty big stuff speaking to us at the moment. A doctor's report. The morning news. Situations in your family, situations at work. There's a lot of things that speak to us. But it's time for you and I to begin not to be rattled by it, but to speak to it. And in speaking to it, we bring change. So God says to Ezekiel, you use my words and you speak to it. And this is what you are to say. Dry bones, listen up. I've got something to say to you. And it is the Word of the Lord. I'm not going to be moved by what I see. What I'm going to do is I'm going to move things by what I'm about to say. And these aren't just the words of a human. These are the words of the Almighty. You know what's amazing? God God actually gave Ezekiel the honour of being part of a miracle. But He's doing the same to you. He's doing the same to you. You know, it's really easy... In fact, I find some people have an amazing gift to state the obvious. It's hot today. Wow, genius. Hey, pastor, there's not many here at church today. Thank you. Have you ever noticed also that the experts are always in the grandstand? Just saying. Everybody knows how to lead a church more than a pastor, how to lead a government more than the prime minister, how to play football better than the people on the field. That's just the life we live in now. And we see things and it's easy to be rattled by them. I, I love the story and it's quoted often of David and Goliath. Just an ordinary kid, really. He was sent by his dad. If you actually read the context, put it in Australian context. He was sent by his dad 
to take an esky full of cheese sangers down to his brothers at the battlefield. All right, we read in all these lofty terms. That's what he did. His, his father gives him a loaf, some loaves of bread and cheese and says, go down to see your brothers. So he rocks up and he can hear things. So what is that? It sounded like Spanish castanets. He got closer. It was the Israeli knees knocking together. He goes, and he rocks up and he says, what is the problem here? And they said, look at him. He's been yelling at us. He's been intimidating us. He's been speaking to us. Said, and, and, uh, and David says, what's the problem? They said, are you blind? Have a look. He's too big. He said, no, no, no. You need to look at it through the eye of faith. He's too big to miss. He's too big to miss. But there's so many giants that want to speak to us today. And there's so many dead and dry things that want to depress it's time for us to speak back to them in the name of Jesus. I actually believe we can see miracles in our nation. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. you read the news feeds. It, 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 it's pretty intimidating. It's pretty sad. I believe we can see our communities change. I believe we can see things happen, miracles happening in our families, miracles happening in our own lives. Is anybody with me today? We can see miracles, but we won't see miracles if we're intimidated by what we see. We'll, we'll see miracles when we get the Word of God in our heart, up to our lips and begin to change atmospheres in the Name of God. Verse five. This is what the sovereign Lord says to these bones. You can see Ezekiel, he takes a deep breath. I will make breath into you and you will come to life. Can you see this picture? You wonderful young people really starting to get a grip on the scriptures. Don't just read words, see the picture. It's the greatest movie ever written. I will attach tendons to you and flesh will come upon you and cover you with skin. I'll put breath in you and you will come to life. Then you will know that I am the Lord. Here's God's desire. What's chaotic should come to order. What's lifeless should be revived. That's the way our God works. So what's the result? I prophesied. This, you, can you imagine Ezekiel? I prophesied as I was commanded. This gets exciting. And as I was prophesying, there was a noise a rattling sound and the bones came together bone to bone. So I prophesied. I didn't say what everybody else is saying. What I said was what God was saying. And I just spoke what He said into the situation. Where there's sickness, I declared healing. Where there's lack, I declared provision. I spoke what God said. I took His Word and I began to declare it into atmospheres. That's what brought the change. You know why? Because God's Word carries authority. It's powerful. It's like a two-edged sword, the Bible says. So can you picture this? Ezekiel begins to speak, and there's a valley full of dry bones, and he begins to declare, this is what God says. Order! And the Bible says the first thing that happened was there was a sound. With restoration comes a sound. I hear a new sound in Horizon Church. It, it's, I tell you what I do here. I hear a sound of encouragement. I hear a sound of encouragement. You, you can't come to Horizon Church without having your tyres pumped up. 
You will leave just a little taller. You'll, you'll be a little more ready for the week ahead just because there's a sound of restoration. The bones of, boom, boy, they're coming together. There's a sound of hope. There's a sound of faith. I'm gonna tell you something. You are crazy to miss opportunities to gather in environments like this because there's a sound of restoration. There's a sound of faith. There's a sound of praise. We praise Him even before we see the fullness of the miracle because we praise Him, not just because of what He's doing, we praise Him for who He is. Our God is good and He does good, but it first starts with His nature and His character. There's a sound of praise, whoa. Hearts open, hands lifted. You know why we sing? We've been more, made more than conquerors. I, I, I love sport. I, I love it. Wherever a sweaty man's chasing a ball, I'm in. I'm happy. <laughs> I love it all. In Brisbane, we've really embraced, along with the great rugby coach, we've embraced AFL. And the Brisbane Lions. I, I took an American friend of mine a few years back to an AFL game in Brisbane, beat the enemy, Collingwood, thumped them, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> and he got up to leave, and just as the final siren went, he got up to leave and said, where are you going? <laughs> what? I said, we haven't sung. <laughs> and we all stood up. We are the pride of Brisbane town, we wear maroon, blue and gold. You know, I discovered recently let me tell you something. That nation of France stole the Lions' victory song. It's their national anthem. He laughed and laughed. He said, you Aussies are crazy. I said, no, no, no. You can't have victory without singing. Some, some of us need to give our heart permission to tell our face we've been made more than conquerors. Come on, come on. And, 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 and the full victory, hey, let me tell you, the whole victory for the planet hasn't been won yet, but I'm gonna tell you something. We are already winners because of Jesus. He's already won the ultimate victory and we stand, we're more than conquerors, why? We are winners because He's already done the fighting, we just stand in that. So there's a sound, there's praise. Oh, I don't know, mate, come on, mate, I'm an Aussie bloke. I'll let the women do the singing around here. Come on, mate. Real men sing real loud. Just come on. And everything that has breath, what should we do? Yeah. And I hear it. I hear it in Horizon. There's a sound. There's a sound. We're not there yet. This pandemic has belted all of us. But let me tell you something. Restoration has begun. Restoration has begun. Verse 8, I looked. And tendons and flesh appeared on them and skin covered them. Everything looked in order. I underline a lot, whether it's paper Bibles or on my tablet, I underline the word but. There was no breath in them. Things were coming together. But it was still lifeless. Still lifeless. I never want to be part of a church where everything's so squeaky clean and yet it's lifeless. We go through the motions, we do our thing, we sing our songs, we come in, we go home. No life in I don't want to be part of a family. I don't want to live a life that's just ordered, predictable. 
which is code for boring. No, no, no. Jesus came that we might have life. And restoration, sometimes it's not quite as ordered. God breaks in and does things. You know, one of the words that God spoke to us in 2021 to declare over our church was, was homecoming. And we began to see the prodigals, those that had checked out, those that had drifted away, finding the Father's heart and the Father's house again. And I said, church, you need to get ready because this is going to be driven by grace. And grace is messy. Like, oh, you've come back? Oh, God's saving you? It's not always quite ordered, but it's full of life and the heart of God. (laughs) And he said to me, prophesy to the breath. Prophesy, son of man. So uh, now, now these bones, can you see it? Oh, Spielberg would do an amazing job with Ezekiel 37, trust me. These valley of tri bones, they're bones flying, knee bones and hip bones and skulls, they're all flying through the air and they're now all, they're all standing up, no breath in them. So he says, prophesy to the breath. Prophesy. Remember what prophecy is? Speak what I'm putting in your heart, get it on your lips and change the atmosphere. Prophesy to the breath. Oh, this is big. Prophesy, son of man, and say to it, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Come, breath, from the four winds and breathe into the slain that they may live. God said, prophesy to the breath. That Hebrew word is ruach. If you want to really be a Hebrew, ruach. (laughs) It means breath, but it means wind and it means spirit. And he says, come. We're desperate for you. We're hungry for you. We're we're, we're so glad things are are a little more together. They're they're slightly restored, but they're still lifeless. Some of us are seeing that happen in in different areas, in different contexts of our life. Things are starting to come together, but we still need the breath of God in it. We need the breath of God. We need God to breathe upon it. Because when He does, things change forever. From the start of the book to the end of the book, you'll see radical transformation when God breathes. When God breathes. At the start of the book, Genesis 2, He made man from the dust of the earth, laid him all out like a little mud man. You know what the Bible says? And God breathed in them. And He became, it says, a living soul. The second Adam, Jesus. They crucified him. They thought that was the end. You and I know he didn't say, I am finished. He said, it is finished. It is finished. The 11 of the 12 of his disciples and an extra group of followers were huddled in a room behind a locked door. This is amazing. A locked door. See, see, some people think you can lock Jesus out. He walks through the locked door. (laughs) The resurrected Saviour that we serve and the same Spirit that raised Him from the dead is working in us. The same breath of God, amen. And He walks through the door. He appears to this group that are huddled and afraid and despondent. And the Bible says, and He breathed on them. 
And he says, receive the Holy Spirit. And that same little cowardly group that were huddling together, all of a sudden were transformed forever. They were changed and radically restored back to who God meant them to be. And let me tell you, within 17 chapters of the book of Acts, which is around about 15 years, that group set their sights on a, on a city called Thessalonica. By the time they headed there, this was the reputation of that little scared group that now received the breath of God. You know what they said to them? That group has turned the world upside down. Whoa, what made the difference? The breath of God. Prophesy to the breath of God. Say, oh, oh Spirit of God, come. Come from the four winds because you're everywhere all the time. Now we're inviting you into this space, this space, come. So look what happened, verse 10. By now the music in the movie has really built to a crescendo. So I prophesied as he commanded me. Mm -mm. And breath entered them. And they, what happened? Came to life and stood up on their feet. What? A vast army. A vast army. I love that. The breath of God. Some, of, some versions like the New King James says an exceedingly great army. You know what I love about that? The breath of God turns the church from a little group that communities want us to shrink back, hide back and cower in the corner, be seen and not heard. Let me tell you something. The breath of God turns us into a vast and mighty army. Not an army that's aggressive. Hear me. Not an army that's arrogant. No, no. No, no, the Bible tells me the army of the living God walks and marches together under a banner and the banner over us is love. We're here to bring kindness. We're here to bring restoration. What's wrong? We're here to make right. What's hurt? We're here to heal in the name of Jesus. You know, only uh, 10 days ago, I had one of the most moving experiences as the senior pastor of, of the church I lead. I brought my location pastors together, my elders and some of the key leaders in my community arm. And we began to ask the question, how can we heal the hurts of the cities we're called to reach? And I got home pretty late that night. And when I got home, I, I struggled to sleep. My heart was just racing with the awareness of God's heart for broken people. Yeah. And I, I began to sit back and every room in the... Every, every eye in the room was filled with tears. Often as, as some of the team led said, you know what, God's been showing me this, and he's been showing me this. And, and as I listened to their reports, I realized we really are the army of God. Yeah. And his banner over us is love. Yeah. One high school headmaster, secular school, came to us, turned up at one of our campuses and said, I'm here because I know Hope Center fixes stuff. They said, the biggest need in our school right now is year five and six children who have to go home from school and with the very limited amount of food in their house, they have to cook for their family because their parents are just written off through addictions and other distractions in life. You know, at the same time, God was opening up to us partnerships with like top-end chefs who aren't yet followers of Jesus, but you and I know they soon will be. You get on his mission, you get arrested by his love. And we're now partnering with them and, 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 and then we're now actually providing for these families, these, these meals, and we're teaching the kids to actually give leadership to their parents at this stage. 
and we're teaching the nutrition and, and the headmaster came back a week later and said, you guys are the real deal. Can, can I tell you something else? We, we've got another problem, which is now as kids are feeling safe to talk, we're discovering that, that now, you know, with the onset of puberty, now so much younger than it used to be. Year five and six girls are having to navigate that hormonal change without anybody to walk with them. What can you do? And one of the ordinary ladies in our church, one of the young mums, because I know what to do. We've now got these little packs to give girls dignity and understanding to navigate that season in life. You, you know, we're not there standing with a megaphone. We're not there railing on about restrictions and government and anti this and anti that. No, no, no. We, our, our banner, our banner is not anti anything. Our banner is pro people in Jesus' name. A, a living army. And, and I'm watching it. I, I, I'm, watching, I'm watching as people realise that we can't ignore things like Matthew 25 when Jesus says, I'm going to separate the sheep and the goats, not by the state of your Sunday services, but by whether you actually came to the invisible people. The least of them. My mum had a stroke. My mum was a strong, powerful woman. I actually have her personality, true story. And, and, and she, my mum was like Margaret Thatcher, serious. And she had a stroke and she spent three years in, of her life in a room, in an aged care facility and barely spoke, just stared. No TV, no music, no newspapers, nothing, which was just so not her. And, and every week I'd visit her and we'd walk past people. And one day my dad said, see that lady there? She was the midwife for royalty. I said, wow. He says, guess what? story around this place is nobody's visited her in 10 years. Forgotten. And, 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 and Jesus says to you and I, I was locked up and you came to me. I was hungry. I was naked. You fed or you clothed me. See, this is what the army of God is called to do and be. I love this. I, I, and how good is it now to be able to come together and worship without masks? But this isn't the end of the week. It's the start of the week. Come on. The old covenant, they met at the end of the week. Oh, made it. No, no, no. We're new covenant people. We're third day people. We come together not on the Sabbath. We come together on the Sunday because we celebrate the fact. We got the breath of God in us. We got the breath of God in us. And, and, and we're here to now be in this place. John Wimber used to say, the meeting place is the training place for the marketplace. We get in this place to get our faith built up. We get in this place to get environments where hands are raised and the presence of God comes out. Whoa, the breath of God's in us. Now we leave as the army of the living God. That's what this is all about. We've discovered in our community, a group we're calling our language is the poorest of the poor. Not because they're their bank accounts are less than some others, but because the housing situation is so bad now in our area that we're finding mums raising two and three children in their car. And we've now got a ministry where we actually provide showers for homeless people. And that used to be the, the, the old guy with the beard under the bridge. Now it's families. We're giving kids showers so they can go to school and not be smelly, otherwise they'll get picked on. And I can't solve the, the housing crisis, but I, I do know we can do something as the army of the living God. And each of us can do something. If, if we all do something, then we can make a difference. We're the army of God.
So there are other options, you know, for us. We can yell on social media about how dark the world is. Just before you continue to yell about how dark the world is, just a little thought. Darkness is an absence of light. You're the light of the world. You're the army of God. He's brought your life together. He's put his breath in you. Why? To go and be an agent of social change in Jesus' name. How? One life at a time. Just kind to that person at work. Reaching across your neighbour's fence. Looking out for somebody at school. and That's who we are. So what's the Lord saying to his followers right now? I have three words. And then we're going to pray together. The three words. Resist, embrace, expect. Resist, embrace, expect. Resist what? Resist the lure of inevitability that nothing can change. Oh, look, the the valley's full of dry bones. Yeah, acknowledge that. But hey, we serve a miracle-working God. Hey, shift your focus. Off the problem, onto the answer. That's the key. Looking to Jesus, the author and finisher of what? Our faith. Embrace the catalysts of revival and restoration. Embrace them. Make them so much a part of your life. Daily, make them part of your life. What are those catalysts? Number one, the Word of God. Number two, the Spirit of God. I say to our church a lot at the moment regarding the Bible. Read it. Don't just jump on YouTube and let someone else read it and give you their interpretation. Open your Bible. Radical thought. Like right out there, I know. But if we're going to be followers of Jesus, He is the Word. He's the living Word. Get into The Bible is the only book on the planet that when you open its pages, the author promises to turn up. So read the Bible. I've been saying to our church a lot lately, you tell me the ratio of how much time you spend on social media compared to how much time you spend in the Bible and I'll tell you your level of joy, I'll tell you your level of peace and I'll tell you the level of victory you're living in as a Christian. Some of us would do our soul a lot of good if we actually just fasted social media for a week or a month. And in its place, just get it in the Bible. Get it in your heart because what's in your heart comes out your lips. Prophesy. I, 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 don't, I don't know what to say. You don't have to make it up. Just say what he says. Just say what he says. In fact, it's better you say what he says because he knows the beginning from the end. So there's the Word of God and there's the Spirit of God. Be filled again. The Bible actually says to be being filled with the Holy Spirit. We're a church that believes in the power of the Holy Spirit. We believe what Jesus declared over His own life is now available to you and I. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Thank God for renewal that happens when the Holy Spirit comes in us, but now we also need Him on us. In us changes our life from the inside out. On us changes the lives of others. Through us. Spirit of the Lord's upon me. Read it. Luke 4, 18 and 19. We won't go there today, but Jesus said, His Spirit's upon me because God loves blind, broken and bound people. And He wants me to be part of a miracle in their life. We need the Holy Spirit.
We're desperate for him. Come, Holy Spirit. And expect miracles. Expect miracles. Things can come alive. Things do not have to stay the way they look right now. Do you believe it? They do not have to stay the way they look. I got some beautiful friends that are of other traditions, Catholic, Anglican. I'm, I'm dealing a lot with them at the moment through the Alpha program, which I think is radically changing opportunities for the church to reach the world. And I, I've been in settings, you know, I'm a Pentecostal preacher and I've already got my Holy Spirit and the theology all worked out. And then they stand there and they simply with just simplicity and with purity of heart say, come Holy Spirit. Now, now, I arrogantly, when I first heard that, I thought, come on. Read Acts 2. He came 2,000 years ago. I thought, okay, I'll do it. Then I realized, we're not asking him to come on the planet. What we're saying is, what I'm doing is, I'm opening my heart so you come again. Come from the four winds. We're desperate for you today. I don't want to walk around just all ordered and, and, and so together because God, I want you to come alive in me so that I can come alive in you, work in me by the, by the resurrection power of the Holy Ghost. Before I hand back to your pastors, I want to spend just a few minutes praying for you and with you because I believe in this. You know, mid-October last year, we buried my dad. One of the most beautiful yet confronting days of my life. On that day, we, we got to celebrate the life of an old war horse. We got to tell his story. In fact, leading into the days leading up to that funeral, I, I discovered things about my dad that I didn't even know all my life. I didn't know he was a broken man. I didn't know that he had a terrible childhood. His mum died just after he was born. He and his brother were put in an orphanage in Western Australia. His father smuggled them out of the orphanage and took them to Sydney and then by train to central Queensland and lived in a town of 416 people. By the time my dad was 19, he was a chronic alcoholic. By the time he was 24, he was toothless, living rough, broken human being. He'd been locked up for the umpteenth time for drunken disorderly behavior. And he was lying in a cell and he planned to come out of that cell, use his friend's gun and blow his head off. He went to his friend's house and he'd loaned the gun to a cousin to go shoot him. So he thought, you know what I'm gonna do? I'm gonna go with my mates and I'm gonna laugh at those Christians on the corner who sing their funny songs and tell their funny stories. I listened to this because I'm in the process of writing a book to help men. I listened to my dad tell his story from 15 years ago just this week on CD. Listen to this old man. He was by, at that stage, 79 years old. So funny, so articulate. And he tells the story how he was standing under a tree with a dozen or so mates. He wasn't wearing shoes and he wasn't wearing a shirt. 
He was quite drunk. And the preacher got up and shared a simple thought from the words of Jesus, whom the Son sets free, is free indeed. And the little group, choir if we could call them that, began to sing, come home, come home. (laughs) You who are weary, come home. My father was a dead man walking. And Alex Alcorn started to walk out of the crowd to cross the street and, and, and his mates thought, Alex is going to go and pick another fight. They, they're nudging, so this will be funny. And when the, my dad got to the other side of the street, he knelt down in the gutter. And a man came to him and said, do you want to pray the sinner's prayer, son? My dad said, I don't know what the blinking, blinking pr- sinner's prayer is. But let me pray my own prayer. This was his prayer. Dear God, I'm so drunk. But if you would help me stand up and walk away and help me, I'll believe in you for the rest of my life. And he did. And he did. And late last year, we were in a room and my niece stood up and she looked across this crowd either in person or online, there were 2,000 people at a 94-year-old's funeral. And she said, she said, I wonder what those people that saw my granddad walking through the little country town of Dolby, toothless and drunk, 70 years ago, would think today if they saw not only this crowd but this legacy. See, both of my dad's kids are preachers. His grandkids are, are all either preachers or school teachers. His grandkids growing up whole and healthy. And she looked at this crowd, and I can't say it better. The only difference between that broken, drunk human being and the one we celebrate today is Jesus. Is Jesus. One decision can change your life. He will bring your life to order and then He'll put His breath. Some of us in this room and some of us watching online, today we feel like dead men walking. And I wonder if you'd bow your heads with me across this room. In a moment, Pastor Brad's gonna tell us how we can help you in a moment like this. But let me tell you, there's one thing you need to do. We can't do it for you. The Bible actually makes it clear. It says, if we believe in our heart, We've been talking a lot about getting things from our heart to our lips today. If we believe in our heart that God sent His Son, Jesus, as an expression of His radical love for us, we don't have to fully understand it, but there's something in our heart that says, that's true, and we simply acknowledge it. We believe in our heart and we confess with our lips that Jesus Christ is Lord. The Bible says we're saved. God, I don't know everything about you, but I do know I need you. My life's like that valley of dry bones. I'm barely existing, but you've come that I might have life and life to the full. So come and change my life from the inside out. That's you for the very first time in your life. Or for the first time after being away from him for way too long, and you just say, God, I wanna come home. Whether you're in this room or online right now. I wonder how many would say, you know what? You've put, you've put words around the way I'm feeling right now. 
I just want to say, God, I want to start a journey with you in my life. That's, that's all I know. I want you to make me come alive from the inside out. If I'm talking to you today, you know you, know you just need him to help you overcome your past and you need him to empower you to walk forward. If that's you, just raise your hand right now. I'm going to pray for you. Say, that's me. With you online right now, if you're in that, in that situation online, put your hand upon your heart. Say, God, that's me. Raise your hand so I know who to pray for. Just say, yeah, that's me, Wayne, today. I'm acknowledging that. Good on you. That's wonderful. That's wonderful. Others, just raise your hand. Thank you. If you've raised your hand or you wish you had, just place it upon your heart. I pray that you would know the wonder of God's radical love. I pray for you that you would know His acceptance. Pray that you would know His forgiveness. Pray that you would know His goodness as you walk in life with Jesus in it. Pray His grace upon you from this day on. Pray that you would know what it means to discover the truths of His Word in the Bible and find an ease in talking to Him through prayer. You'd find acceptance in His family, the church. We agree for that in Jesus' name. Everybody said. Thanks for listening to this week's message. For more info about Horizon Church, please visit our website at hz.church. Have a fantastic day and we hope to see you again soon.